Welcome to episode 124 of The Real Photo Show. So today I have two amazing guests, Finbar O'Reilly and Bernadette Vivuya. And this show coincides with the release of the book and multimedia online collaboration, Congo in Conversation by Finbar O'Reilly. So Congo in Conversation is a collaborative online chronicle through close cooperation with Congolese journalists and photographers. The project addresses the human, social, and ecological challenges that Congo faces today, relaying information via a dedicated website and social networks. Congo in Conversation provides an uninterrupted and unprecedented stream of articles, photo reportages, and videos, which visitors can consult by theme or by contributor. With Congo in Conversation, the Carmignac Foundation provides an outlet for Congolese voices to contribute to the global discourse, communally attest to the on-the-ground situation within this immense country, and raise public awareness. So that was the press release, you could probably tell. But uh, we do have a fantastic conversation. Uh, Finbar, Bernadette, and I talk about the, the messages they wanted to convey in this project, the importance of representation with varied voices when trying to tell complex stories, and the logistics of putting something like this together during the pandemic. So if you don't know Finbar O'Reilly, let me give you a little bit of his bio. Uh, Finbar is an independent photographer and multimedia journalist and the author of the nonfiction memoir Shooting Ghosts, a U.S. Marine, a combat photographer, and their journey back from war. Finbar lived for 12 years in the West and Central Africa and has spent two decades covering conflicts in Congo, Chad, Sudan, Afghanistan, Libya, and Gaza. He is the 2019 Nobel Peace Prize exhibition photographer and a frequent contributor to the New York Times. His photography and multimedia work has earned numerous industry honors, including the first place in the portraits category at the 2019 World Press Photo Awards. He was also winner of the World Press Photo of the Year in 2006. And Bernadette Vivuya is a journalist and filmmaker based in Goma in Eastern DRC. She reports on issues related to human rights, the environment, and the exploitation of raw materials, bearing witness to the resilience of the people in this conflict-affected region. So Bernadette was selected as one of the Congolese journalists to collaborate in this project, and she will discuss her particular contribution to this work. I should also mention that Mark Seeley, curator and director of Autograph in London, is a co-author of the books that are released as part of this larger project. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. My name is Finbar O'Reilly. I'm an independent photographer and writer and sometimes filmmaker. And I'm currently the laureate of the uh, Carmignac Photojournalism Award. And uh, I'm Bernadette Vivuya. I'm a Congolese visual journalist and filmmaker. And I'm, I'm currently living in Goma, Eastern DRC. And um, I report on issues related to the human rights, uh, the environment and exploitation of uh, raw materials bearing witness to the resilience of the people in my country. both for joining me. I know this is a little complicated with our different time zones, so I'm really happy we we're able to do this. And apparently this this does coincide with the launch of the book, The Congo in Conversation. And and Finbar, you this was your brainchild. 
Yes. Yeah, so, so the the Carmignac Photojournalism Award is something that's been going for ten years, and every year they pick a subject and an issue, and the the issue generally revolves around human rights and more increasingly the environment and how these two themes are interconnected. And um, this year, the theme that was selected was Congo. Previously, it's, previously it's been the Amazon, it's been the Arctic, um, and it's been Zimbabwe. And I submitted a proposal to do a story on Congo. I've worked there off and on for 20 years. And I started to do uh, my work early in the year. And I was looking for ways to collaborate with Congolese journalists because I've worked in on collaborative projects in the past. Uh, last year, I was the exhibition photographer for the 2019 Nobel Peace Prize. And for that, I partnered with a, a load of Ethiopian journalists because it was the Ethiopian prime minister who won. And that was a really successful project in the way that it provided um, a balanced me being the outsider in view of Ethiopia and Ethiopian photographers depicting their own country to a global audience. And I thought it would be interesting to approach this Congolese project in a similar way. As things turned out, uh, coronavirus struck and it meant that I wasn't able to travel uh, and spend this year documenting and and building the project. But what it did mean is it created an opportunity to um, drive forward that idea of collaboration with Congolese journalists, because obviously they are still living in Congo. And so I contacted about a dozen visual journalists, including Bernadette, and we came up with this idea that I could kind of uh, curate and edit the uh, photojournalism that they were producing while working within the uh, the constraints of of, uh, of a pandemic. So um, they weren't going to be traveling far in the country. They were mostly working within their own communities, sometimes just within their own neighborhood or in their own homes. And Bernadette uh, is one of those photographers, as she said, based in Goma. And really the idea was to to address some of the big themes that the project initially wanted to look at around the environment, around health, and around poverty and uh, unequal distribution of wealth and the economy in Congo. Um, and these are all themes that, that Bernadette is very familiar with as an experienced Congolese filmmaker. You know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and, and the global anti-racism conversation and coronavirus, these are all things that are part of this, uh, part of this project, but they weren't, uh, they weren't necessarily... Uh, the coronavirus in particular wasn't necessarily part of the work when you thought of the idea, right? No, not specifically, but Congo has been dealing for the last couple of years with an Ebola epidemic. So the country is actually very um, prepared to deal with major health, health crises in terms of um, a coordinated response. And so um, there was a health element to the initial project concept and... And certainly um, the idea of restorative justice, the idea of racial equality and historical exploitation um, surrounding issues of race are all things that are very relevant to Congo. And as it turns out, this was also the 60th anniversary uh, of independence from Belgium for Congo, which came at at the end of um, June, right in the middle of the Black Lives Matter demonstrations around the world. And so we had our photographers and journalists working in Congo covering these uh, events, but also we had one Congolese photographer who was in Belgium who also covered this uh, for us as well. So these were all things, um, and maybe Bernadette, you can talk a little bit uh, as well about how for you, 
it felt like Congo was part of a bigger global movement around historical issues and you know around colonialism and racial exploitation over the over the years. Uh, yes, of course. As you you know, uh, DRC is facing is um, is facing a long period of war and um, and other kind of violence. And um, uh, for many 20 years, uh, people have to um, to be focused on uh, what was the the impact of the war, and uh, talking about only the conflict and uh, the poverty or other kind of violence. But uh, as a filmmaker, uh, we have to to create another image with, uh, which best show the real life in Congo, specifically the Eastern Party. So um, I'm, ba I'm based in Goma, the North Kivu, and uh, we uh, we facing a long period of war. And uh, firstly, with the genocide, uh, with refugees, uh, genocide in Rwanda with the refugees, when refugees came came in uh, in Congo, the story is uh, mainly based on that on that violence, the the bad face of uh, of Congo. And I, as a, a filmmaker and, and visual journalist, we have to create uh, that images we best to show the the really life in Congo. To talk about really life in Congo is uh, like a ch children, for example, children continue to go to school and young people went to the bar, to the nightclub, as it is in any other town in the world. And so I have this um, responsibility to, to participate in that, to create another, another images to, to tell about Congo. And you had uh, experience already dealing with multiple health crises as well. Before coronavirus, yes. Um, before coronavirus, uh, yes, I was working about on that subject, and uh, when came uh, the pandemic, uh, we have another opportunity to to have uh, a way to talk loudly about our our perspective, like uh, as journalists and uh, and, and uh, filmmakers. And uh, I think the Congo in co in conversation, the collaborative reportage of Finba was uh, a good a good way to to help us to to speak more loudly and to sh uh, to give our our contribution in the storytelling about our country, DRC. Right, and one of the the great advantages of having multiple perspectives is it's not. You know, often when we see things that make headlines that are in the news, it is it's the worst of a story, right? It's the the most the images that show us the most suffering, and and those and suffering in imagery is important as well. But then there are also the the images, the work that maybe some editors wouldn't pick, which are the life, right? The life of the people, the way things are happening day to day, and the way things are people rise above as well, right? And we don't always get that with the quicker, the, the faster news narratives that we tend to see. Th that's right. And, and one of the first stories that Bernadette did was, uh, was the story of um, a group of dancers during the early weeks of lockdown. And, uh, and the dancers were still trying to find ways to, to, to rehearse and practice. Bernadette, do you want to just talk a little bit about that uh, story? 
right? The Goma's clandestine dancers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, with the pandemic, where you know, as uh, the cultural activities was uh, was blocked, we we thought that life is was um, was stopped. But when I I went to follow the the dancers. And I found the Amkal Dance Project, and the, the, those people, those young people, uh, tried to find other ways to to still to do re- re- rehearsing, and uh, uh, it was very very touching to see how the COVID was impacted the the world, but those young people find ways, a creative ways to. To, to still in shape because they told me even there is pan- the pandemic but life is not is not end but we have after the pandemic the cultural uh, artistic activities will continue and we have to to participate in competitions so we can't uh, we can't still doing anything we must uh, be in shape to be able to compete to to participate in those competition and it was very interesting yeah right and and that is what so much of the world also is going through in terms of figuring out how to how to do things right how to how to keep businesses open uh, especially in the in the arts it's often not considered high priority and so how do things keep going and and and, and along those lines you know putting this project together when everything had to be done remotely. Um, what was that process like for both of you, actually, in terms of communication and coordination? I, well, surprisingly, you know, I, I was in touch with all the, the Congolese journalists uh, in different cities across the country, and Congo has reasonably good internet. So, you know, there are sometimes frustrations with, you know, for the journalists who run out of phone credit for their for their 3G or have trouble finding a good signal in some of the more remote cities, but, but Goma is fairly well connected. And it was, it was a pretty steady flow of communication and, and stories coming through. And just uh, Bernadette would send me an idea for something and we would discuss how it might work. And um, the, the, the great thing about, you know, Bernadette and the other journalists is they can deliver a, an entirely ready package, particularly Bernadette, who's one of the more experienced among the, the crew, who um, could deliver a, an edited, produced three, four minute video with subtitles in both uh, French and Swahili. Um, it was a complete package arriving at our doorstep. We just had to uh, then then package it to, to fit the, the platforms we were using, which is social media and, and our, our website. And um, and really, this is a reflection of Congo having already a very vibrant media environment. There are a lot of journalists, Congolese journalists across the country. And the difference, I think, here is that mostly Congolese journalists are, are speaking to one another. The, 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 the conversation is within, within Congo. And in this situation, what we were able to provide was a platform and the uh, you know financial support for them to be able to spread that spread those stories a little bit further afield uh, to a global platform and have a back and forth uh, and be part of the global conversation that was happening around the pandemic and all the other issues that of course that that brings up because even though we're talking about a pandemic and a virus 
This triggers all kinds of things around issues around inequality, around health, around uh, instability. And we're seeing that around the globe. Um, and of course, Congo is impacted just like all the other countries in this way and what, how that leads to protests, how that leads to um, dissatisfaction among unemployed and people who don't have or who do have a very small margin of e- economic safety. So, for example, we had stories around the fact that even during confinement, people were going to the market in large numbers. And um, this is because in Congo, people often are living on only a few dollars a day or a dollar a day, and they don't have reserves to go and buy a week or two weeks worth of food supplies, and they may not have access to electricity for refrigeration. So that requires people to go out to the market to sell in order to earn, but also to shop in order to buy. Um, And the impact that this has on, on kind of subsistence kind of lifestyle. And Bernadette did videos about how, um, and stories about how the economy was being affected, how the currency rates was fluctuating all surrounding these kinds of issues. And um, and again, these are all issues that are being spoken about uh, in Congo among Congolese. But this just takes it to to a global a global level. Right. Yeah. And Bernadette, your piece was uh, coronavirus devalues Congo's currency. And again, you had already had experience with the theft of resources in Congo and the economic disparities. Do you want to speak to that that piece you did on currency? Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm living in Goma, but uh, the story I. I went to do it in Sake. Sake is a, a, a city uh, 20 kilometers from Goma. And so in that region, there is, uh, you know, villages when they are, we have um, the farmers, they came to, to do um, market to... Commerce, trade. Yeah, yeah to the traders. I, I thought the, the pandemic, when... The border with with other countries was closed, um, according to the prevention of spread the spread of uh, of the pandemic, and I thought the, the those traders could have more profit, but because there there were there was a limitation of importation, so when I go I went there and uh, I. Th- I interviews uh, many person about uh, about the, the situation. When the the borders was was opened, uh, there was more importation. Yes, but um, and where borders was uh, opened, there was uh, exchange with other countries. So the ma- the, the the money, the Congolese money, were had uh, some level. The value, the value of the money was was high, and then where the border was closed, it was like we we make the trade between ourselves. So the money could the, the value was the decrease. Yeah. Right yes. to match the yeah. other currencies. Yes, and uh, with that, the currency of the the Congolese money from the dollars, we find uh, that the money, the Congolese money, was devalued. For one dollars, you have to pay two thousand two thousand of Congolese money. So the trade was very impacted because they they saw their their business failed and so i have to do that stories and um, to show the the impact of the crisis on the 
the business of in the country. Right. So what had the possibility of, of helping people out because it would have been all purchasing of, of things grown by or made by Congolese, right? It turned out to uh, hurt many people because of the devaluation of the currency. Yeah, and, and the lack of movement of goods as well, because people couldn't right. move, and a lot of the the trade is along along roads between different regions and across the border. Goma's right on the border with Rwanda, and just north is the border with Uganda. So all of this flow, economic flow, right. just came to a halt, and it didn't lead to a shortage and uh, and an increase in prices. It just led to a drop in currency values. You know, throughout this. This book, the introduction to this book, I should say, is a, a conversation, Finbar, that you have with Mark Seeley, the curator, the director of, of Autograph, Association of Black Photographers. And it is very much uh, both a history of the DRC, a history of Congo, and also the way that uh, we're sort of re-examining things with the global anti-racist movement. And one of the things that's come up on, on this show uh, over the years is the idea that you know, very early on in photography, photography was a tool that was uh, an aid to colonialism, right? It has a, 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 a very poor history in terms of trying to show things as the exotic and the other. And then, you know, coming to a point where, where we understand that um, and photographers like yourself visit places, with a culture that you're not inherently a part of, but also you're very respectful of and that you're trying to show uh, places that are in need or places where there are beautiful things happening, right? It's a combination of the two in your work. And then, you know, the, the conversation we, we've been having is, is it okay for people who are not part of a culture to photograph inside a culture? And, and the, one of the things I've, been, I've said on the, on the show before is, yes, it is okay. But then it's also your responsibility to, once you've had a mod some modicum of success once you've uh, you know have some ability to make decisions in the field that you're in that it's also part of your responsibility to create opportunity for others and I feel like this book in particular is you know in many ways you thinking about that opportunity for others yeah I mean I think if we if we look at the the history of photography as you say it's been very defined by people who look like me. You know, it's very Eurocentric, very white, and, and specifically the kind of imagery that emerges from Africa is dominated by Western media. And it tends to paint a certain picture of the place. And certainly the, the global reckoning that we're having around race now is, is shifting some of the dynamic around that. And people are examining what that means, how that can change. And I would say this is very much a part of that a part of that thinking, and you know, there's a lot of, a lot of talk about um, inclusion and diversity, but that's really only the first step. It's it's very much more than that. It has to be about equality and justice, so that it isn't this kind of white savior complex where I'm um, coming in and and presenting an opportunity to Congolese journalists. Really, a, the ideal situation is that a Congolese journalist is getting this commission to do this work in the first place, or there are, you know, a black or Middle Eastern or, or a non-white people who are on the board of all of these, the, gate, the gatekeepers itself. That's the level that things need to get to in order to break down all of these structures that have existed and, and are, are part of the, the overarching problem when we talk about structural racism. That's, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. But with the specifics of, of, of this, um, you know, I've been working in Congo for 20 years and I was very much part of that problem in some ways when I was working for a newswire. I was producing the kinds of images that were very, in some ways, stereotypical of conflict. 
And really what this project looks to do is to go well beyond that with more nuance and with more authentic voices from the community that is being reported on. And I will always agree with you that there is space as well for outsiders to come in and, and bring their perspective, but it should never be that perspective exclusively or to the exclusion right. of other um, perspectives and certainly the perspectives of, of local journalists in any, any of the countries or communities that we're reporting on or, or talking about. And so that's why these kinds of collaborations are, are what I've been involved with now for, for the last while as I try to shift the way that I work and bring something a little bit different to the kind of industry. Um, and Mark Seeley, you know, he's, he's a curator, he's a cultural historian and an author of Decolonizing the Camera. So he, his That's introduction right. to the book very much puts the kind of conflict that Bernadette was talking about the last 25 years into firmly in that historical context. It's too easy to say this is a tribal issue between Congolese and it's just a crazy situation. No, this goes back to the way that country was colonized and broken down and ruled by one of the most brutal colonial masters. And I use the word masters in the sense that that's how it was viewed. They were the owners of Congo and they were owners of the Congolese. And they may have killed up to 10 or 12 million Congolese during um, that colonial period. And that has a, a lasting impact on the country. Maybe Bernadette should be talking about this. Um, yes, I, what I, I you, wanted to... Yeah. Yeah. Ask Bernadette um, yes. how you've seen Congo in photographs uh, by others and how it's been represented, if you wanted to comment on that as well. Yes. Uh, so the the photograph is a, a good way to to represent a people or something or someone. The the question is uh, how how we represent we we use photography to represent that people or that uh, someone. And so um, as as Finn Barrow he was talking about the that representation. Uh, to the um, at the period of colonialism, the colonizer was uh, used photograph to explain the reason that they have to to yes. colonize the, 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 the Congolese people. So this photography represented uh, Congolese people like poor poor men and um, very fragile and they uh, that like someone who had to uh, need the help the help from from the colonizer so congolese people was like children and uh, children who need protection uh, from the colonizer Be, uh, before this uh, this um, collaborative reportage i i stood the the image critics Critic with uh, Yole Africa, this a cultural center based in uh, in cinema and photography, and we find that uh, those, that pictures didn't best represent the people, the Congolese people. And now, uh, what are we doing, like uh, artists, like photographers, to change that images? But because this is the image which which was very spread in the world which uh, talk about the Congolese people. And now, if we don't recognize ourselves in that colonial images, what we are doing? And uh, in that way, I think, for me, it's my opinion, the Congolese people knows themselves and uh, they are the best person to, 
to talk about the Congolese life. So we we uh, we just we just begin to to do it to create a database of images which best show the really life in Congo. Uh, with the industry of photography, we we can't deny it. It's very developed in uh, in uh, Western part of Europe, yeah, and, uh, America, and we don't have a loud way to to show our perception about our lives, so that the opportunities like Congo in Conversation, uh, the reportage, take the the point of view of uh, Congolese filmmakers and uh, visual journalists or photographers is the best way, is the best way to, to contribute in uh, spreading uh, of that images based on their own perception of uh, the people who are living the situation. Right. Have you seen any improvement in that kind of outreach uh, with, with organizations like Associated Press and Reuters and Agency Friends Press? And have you noticed a, a kind of change in terms of how stories are made and reported and using photographers and journalists and filmmakers who are mm-hmm. Congolese? Okay. Uh, I think there, there is change, some change I see in the, the way it, the images are, are reporting now. But uh, there are still many things to do because um, I think that change is uh, is more more based um, on the way that those agencies uh, begin to you to to work with local uh, journalists, local photographers who are living the situation. So we we don't have many Congo specialists. Someone who who live in in for example in Europe, yeah, and he's specialist of Congo, but he didn't yet come in Congo mm-hmm. to feel to feel how is Congo, and so it's I think it's more easy to speak about something. You can explain something, uh, but it couldn't be like a person who are living it. So um, when they approach the the um, international agencies, begin to to work with local local journalists and photographers, videographers, we begin to to see in the way the images of Congo is uh, or is the image of Africa. Right. You know, I can speak to perceptions more in the United States. Uh, we're very preoccupied with ourselves. <laughs> Here and well, especially at the know, moment, which isn't surprising. Yes, uh, Michael. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just mention that um, within the span of this project and the six months that the, the photographers have been contributing work to um, for publication, uh, a number of them have been commissioned by NGOs and been contacted by uh, people to do additional work. So Justin in Kinshasa was doing some work for an, for an NGO. Bernadette, I think you had some interest from a film company at one point. I don't know what happened with that in the end. Um, but also uh, a few of the other photographers have had commissions and and they've taken part in workshops and programs. I think, Bernadette, you're doing something with Women Photograph soon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, great organization. Yeah. So uh, and and two of uh, Raisa and Arlette took part in the Canon educational program in August, which was put on as part of the Visa Pour l'image Photo Festival. And so, you know, what what it means is that 
there's a, an opening up of access to channels um, outside the borders of Congo for these journalists and also for for NGOs to be able to find the quality of work that these photographers and visual journalists are already producing. If we could say anything positive about social media, I think that is one of the positive outcomes of social media. Organizations <laughs> like Women Photograph. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so now what um what are the uh what's the sort of rollout uh, plans for the the book? You know, with things being shut down, how is it? You you would have book signings, you would have other things. So what are you doing now? Yeah, so normally the plan was that the book would be launched now and was supposed to be accompanied by an exhibition in Paris of the work. And we had an exhibition earlier this summer in the south of France with some of the work that had been produced at that point, but we have more now. Uh, now that exhibition opening has been pushed to January 6th. Uh, so that will still happen. It's just not happening at the same time as the book publication. And it's an outdoor exhibition all the way around the, the city hall in Paris. So it, the pandemic shouldn't affect it too much because it's an outdoor pub right. public space. People can still see the exhibition. And the idea is um, normally uh, the Carmignac grant to do this body of work is for one year. But we're actually uh, fortunate that it will be rolled over into a second year. So... I will be going to Congo hopefully next month. And my plan is to meet with uh, Bernadette. I have to tell you this yet, but my plan is to meet with all of the, the team and bring the team together for a couple of days in Goma and, um, and talk about how we can keep going together and doing some things. Normally, a commission for the Carmenac is like one journalist is doing all the book and the exhibition ind individually. Um, but we've shown this year how valuable it is to have a uh, much more diverse and, and uh, range of perspectives and skills and viewpoints to, to the project. So the specific vision for what we will be doing next year with Congo uh, is yet to be determined, but there will be um, the Congo in conversation part as it was this year, this iteration is kind of winding up with the exhibition, but we mm. feel like there'll be another generation and how that will take shape will, will be determined over the next month or two. And have I missed anything else about the work itself? Uh, well, uh, as the person who is kind of pulling things together from different corners of the country, I would say one of the significant aspects of it, in addition to the different types styles of photography that each of the photographers brought to it, because we had Pamela Tulizo, who had some more conceptual work initially. We had Bernadette, who was doing more video work and occasionally some photography. Um, but within the, we say a dozen photographers because there were a dozen or so photographers we published, but the, the bulk of the work was produced by about 10 visual journalists and, and half of them were women. And in our industry in photojournalism, that's not so common. Uh, it tends to be a very male dominated uh, industry. And even though many of the journalism schools and photojournalism particularly uh, are predominantly women, the industry itself is, is very, very male dominated. So um, right. the the nice thing about this project was that kind of balance and also the fact that the women um, were the most dynamic and most productive uh, quite a lot of the time too. So, And Bernadette being one of those uh, very productive um, journalists. <laughs> you know, that, that is true what you just said. Uh, I teach photography and my classes are 70% women. I mean, easily, mm. easily. But then, but then when, when you look at the, the bylines, you look at the awards ceremonies, right. you look at uh, these kinds of things, that balance is, is very much reversed. So 
it was important to have have a, a, a real kind of balance in in the way that this project was pulled together and and produced. And, and then Bernadette, in terms of your experience of participating in the project, in terms of your your contribution, like what were you thinking about when you were thinking about what what is it you want to contribute to this work? How, how I feel. Yeah, is how it, you felt and yeah. what you thought was important to show. Firstly, it was a really pleasure to participate in this uh, very interesting project. And uh, as I I was talking about uh, uh, for the first time in the introduction, I am very interesting by, about uh, the stories of resilience of uh, these people, these Congolese, the Congolese people, who is uh, facing uh, more this situation of the of war, and uh, how it was very important. For, for me to to show that uh, that creativity of these these people, even the situation is very hard. The uh, this pandemic, yes, it affected many many people, the all life in the in the world and, and specifically in in Congo. But uh, I was very very touched by the hope. Of the of the Congolese people, and I what I I tried to sh- to best show in my reportages, uh, even for for the dancers who tried to find the creative way to 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 continue to be rehe- rehearsing to be to still in shape, and um, the 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 value of the currency of uh, of Congolese money. But you you see those those who are fighting are continue fighting to to improve their their lives, and uh, for those uh, those people, schools schools are closed, but they can't stay at home doing anything. But they 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 create something. They have to create something to to still in hope that one day things will change and life will will be very nice. And um, in contributing this um, collaborative reportage, it was uh, a really a good opportunity for me to to show what I'm, I'm feeling about the my people, the Congolese people. And I, it was very interesting to show to to see that we were 10 photographers and every everyone had its own point of view but to see the uh, one one reportage with all th- this uh, these different views it were it was very interesting and uh, very amazing and it was interesting yeah. as well i was thinking when you were talking about the students who didn't have classes to go to there was that really beautiful picture by Arlette Bashizi of her little sister um, studying at night by the light of a mobile uh, by the light of a mobile phone, and this is like one of people. Many people really like this picture because it shows exactly what you're talking about. You know, this problem that there isn't great access to electricity in Congo, and yet this young determined student was still doing her homework, and uh, she was holding her mobile phone in the dark and still doing her her work so right so yeah it was it was kind of one of those moments that you were describing yes congolese people is very beautiful and so um, we have to to have many opportunities to show that beautiful beauty of this country and its people 
And then Finbara, in, in terms of putting, selecting photos, putting them all together, sequencing the photos, you know, what Bernadette just spoke about her contribution is, I think, is also throughout the book is this idea of this sort of this energy and the spirit in the face of conflict uh, and figuring out how to do things and uh, how to accomplish things when, when, when things are shut down. What was that experience like? And, and did you have that idea ahead of time or is it did the ideas come through the, the work as you were putting it together? Well, I mean, I've been, I've been living, I, I lived for a couple of years in Congo and I've been going there off and on for 20 years. So I'm familiar with this, character of the Congolese to be able to function in very difficult circumstances. And there's there's a very famous uh, unofficial article of the Congolese constitution that was called uh, Article 15, <laughs> Article 15, which, uh, which was kind of made up um, during the rule of the dictator Mobutu, who kind of was installed in some ways by the Belgians, again, a legacy of, of colonialism and, and the country got driven into the ground under his rule. But Article 15 was, uh, in French, it's uh, débrouillez-vous, which is basically means um, make do, essentially. So people have to figure out a way to to manage how to cope and, and just do whatever is necessary. And you'll see this at every kind of daily situation, whether it's how goods are transported on wooden bicycles made from wood, um, how people get transport across fast distances where the roads are very bad. There is just uh, a willingness, I mean, a, an obligation really to just get things done no matter how, how difficult um, and challenging the situation may be. So, so this is something I was very familiar with and having the quality of images coming in that I could see from the photographers and just, as Bernadette says, certainly keeping the focus on this sense of optimism and hope that she mentioned, but also not shying away from some of the harsh realities. Lack of access to water was one of the themes that we looked at. Um, some of the recurring themes of, of the conflict and ambushes, uh, militias and insecurity were also stories that we published uh, in areas that are extremely unstable. So it wasn't just about showing only like happy, smiling Congolese uh, right. at all. We needed a much more nuanced uh, take on things. So fortunately, all the photographers were, were able to provide that uh, despite the very difficult circumstances of limited movement uh, during the pandemic and, and the, the travel restrictions that were imposed upon them. And, and yes, I, I do want to, I should, I should clarify the there are photos where there are people fleeing. There are photos where there is real conflict in the streets. And, and right. So uh, like you said, it's not, it's not just this sort of a uh, positive, we're all doing really, uh, we're all figuring out how to do things uh, in the face of conflict as well. Right. No, no, very much so. If you, if you gloss over the challenges that people are struggling to overcome, then you do them a disservice. And so this was really about trying to, to trying to show the reality. And the reality is, is both good and bad in, in every part of the world where we go. There's, there's all of these elements. And then there's all the, the, the gray areas in between as well. And, and that was one of the, the concerns of earlier photography, right, Wayne? That there was, it was always this very monolithic view of things, whether it was suffering or whether it was people being happy. It was, it was always one-sided and, and never the full story. And that tends to very much be the case from, from across the continent when we're talking about Africa. It's, it's either um, you know, war, famine, disease, or it's safaris and uh, Africa rising positive stuff. And it really, there's so much in between these extremes. So that's, that's right. really the area that we were trying to move through. 
with this project. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time on this and, and congratulations uh, to both of yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, this has been great. And uh, bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for having us. <laughs> thank you very much and uh, good night. Real Photo Show with Michael Chauvin Dalton is a production of Real Photo Show, which you can listen to on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts.